0: Could that be true for me? Sure, for others it might work, but what about me? See, the lights were out, and the setting was an old musty army, army barracks. It was now converted to a Bible camp or a retreat center. I roomed with a uh, Bible college classmate who I hadn't seen for over 25 years. We were in north, north central North Dakota. You couldn't see the end of the world, but it was close. Pastor Dave was talking to me, and uh, he heard my heart and my concerns about college coming up for our kids in the next few years for Julie and I, and I said to him, how could I pay for that? I never, I I, I don't know how we could pull that off, and then Pastor Dave said, well, the Bible says I've never seen the righteous forsaken. The lights were out, and so I just kind of rolled my eyes. And then he said this, you know, God provides for his shepherds who faithfully serve him. So ask, trust, pray, knock, watch. And then he went on to tell me his story of his kids going to college, earning scholarships, financial aid, and the remarkable way that God provided. I'll tell you the rest of the story later in this message. And how that connects is in a very personal way. And how God provides for our needs. We're in the midst of a series entitled, Lord Teach Us to Pray. And if you're joining us this morning, or if you've sat through these messages, I hope it's encouraged you and inspired you and strengthened you to pray more. To double down and commit more to pray. To be a prayer person more oftener. That's not a word, I made it up. And that you will pray faster, quicker. I pray that you have understood the wonder and terror of a God who is both personally tender as a father and terrorizing powerfully holy. Is that a paradox? No, it's a mystery, and it's an invitation. And I want to invite you to pray each Sunday. My friend Carol Cox. Carol, you're here somewhere. Wave at me. I told you not to sleep. There you go. She's in the back. She doesn't sleep. There's a group of us, a small group of us that meet at seven forty-five in the fireside room. And if you'd like to pray more, I want to invite you to grow in prayer as we talk to an Almighty God. It happens every Sunday morning. I hope you'll take part in that. But today, we pause and we shift in what we will consider. The pause is to talk about our temporary needs and our personal needs. And the shift is a shift in pronoun. You see Here's where we've been at. I I use props because most people are visual learners and they see stuff. And this is a model of the Lord's Prayer that I've used over the years. And so this morning, we're going to take a look at grant us this day our daily bread. But the first three petitions all had to do with a pronoun, thy. And it's his holy, it's let hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. They're all gold. In other words, these things are going to happen. Irregardless of our actions, they're going to happen. And as the Catechism says and helps us, it says we pray in these petitions that that would happen in our lives too. But now the shift is in pronouns. Instead of thy, the shift in pronouns is us. Give us this day our daily bread deliver forgive our trespasses lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil the shift in pronouns is very important because the promise is this God will give all his resources to have his glory work through us for his honor and for his fame that's the shift that we're gonna have and I hope it'll encourage you in fact Literally, this petition, give us this day our daily bread, literally the way it can be translated is the bread of us daily grant us today. And that's what we're going to take a look at. So just to give you kind of a preview on where we're going to go, there's going to be three words that we're going to drill down on. And we're going to then ponder and consider and have it explained and illustrate, illustrate it. Luther's small catechism a resource for God's people says this. What is meant by give us this day our daily bread? It means this. God truly does give daily bread to all, even the wicked, without our prayer. But we pray in this petition that he would make us aware that these gifts come from him as a gift and enable us to receive these gifts with thanksgiving. As we pray, God is not a magic genie. Not at all. Everything comes to us as a gift. And the scriptures are very clear. In the book of Psalms 24, 1, the psalmist writes, everything belongs to him. The earth, the world, and its inhabitants. In the book of Acts, the New Testament book of Acts, the Apostle the Apostle Paul is teaching at the Supreme Court, if you will, of Athens. And he says, every breath is a gift from him and everything else. And in the middle of the sermon, this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says something that would make us a little awkward and make us feel a little bit uncomfortable. He says these words in Matthew 25. Can you pull the next screen up? There we go. Read it out loud with me. He, the Father, causes the Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Huh. Makes me feel a little uncomfortable. Like I get the rain on the righteous, the good people, but really, you send the rain on the unrighteous? But that's what Jesus said. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. So I want to share with you three things, and if you're watching online, you can uh, download the bulletin as well, too. First thing we're going to talk about is why does our matter? Why does our matter? There are two accounts of the Lord's Prayer that are written in the New Testament, in the book of Matthew and the book of Mark. Each records them and makes a note of them, and it's interesting to see what the immediate context is around the prayer. Matthew does more in developing it in the Sermon on the Mount, but in the book of Luke, we also read about the Lord's Prayer in Luke chapter 11. And what's really interesting about Luke chapter 11 is what immediately follows the Lord's Prayer. There's more bread talk. Luke 11 chapter 5 says this, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine is on a journey to come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door's already locked and my children are in bed. I can't get up and I give you any, anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely give up and give you as much as you need. Now here's how I've understood that to be taught and, and developed and explained. If you bug God enough he'll give up. Isn't that the point? And as I studied that and I thought about that more, I had to ask the question, who are the beggars in the story? The beggars are us. We're the beggars. He is the giver of whatever we need. And immediately following those verses is more explanation about what this need giver is really like. If you continue to read and go down in verse 9, look what it says. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks on the door will be opened. And surely, I'm assuming here, but I'm, you've got to imagine that Jesus has got to have a smile on his face. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? No. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. No! If you then who are evil know how to get good gifts, how much more will your Father in heaven give to you? Don't forget. Don't forget who the bread giver is. There's a warning in Psalm 78 about bread forgetters. Psalm 78 is not a warm, cozy, oh, pass the hot chocolate kind of psalm. It's a raw psalm. And it is a warning for bread forgetters. Listen to Psalm 78. In verse 8, it talks about a stubborn and rebellious generation. Psalm 78, 11 says this. They forgot what he had done. Psalm 78:17 says this, but they continued in sin against him. And Psalm 78:19, they spoke against God. And verse 20 said. He's given us bread. Can he supply meat for his people? And the warning, human beings ate the bread of the angels. There's a warning there. Our. Why does our matter? Our matters, especially to us who are here on planet Earth. In the book of Proverbs... Proverbs chapter 30 verses seven through nine gives an incredible lens on how to balance needs. Listen to this wisdom literature. It says, two things I ask of you, Lord. Proverbs 30 verses seven through 11. Two things I've asked of you, don't refuse me before I die. Keep falsehoods and lies far from me and give me neither poverty nor riches. Think of that. He's praying for neither poverty nor riches. Why? but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and trust in my riches or and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. Please understand, planning for the future is wise, but anxious preoccupation with it isn't. The scriptures give us both moderation and simplicity and yes, Grace driven, gift responding, generous giving. And this perspective of Proverbs chapter 7 through 9 is different from how the world navigates their money and their needs. We are to be wise, and as we give to needs, we do it with joy and gratitude. Let me just say this our church family has for 97 years graciously given to ministries around the world and at home and at ministries at our church some will watch this video this forge video about a North American church plant in Boston and saying I want to be a part of that and I can give a gift to that and some here today will look at the food shelf and say blue corn taco shells and say this is how I want to give Others of you will be moved to support ministries here at our church. Uh, frankly, we're behind a little bit, enough to bring to your attention, and not to beg or to scold, but or to scold, but to say, would you consider helping us meet our budget as we get to the end of this end of this church year? You know, the first time I spoke about money here at Bethesda, and someone met me at the back of the door and said. I bet you don't like speaking about money, do you? It's hard, isn't it? I looked at him, and I tried to say it in a tone humbly. I said, no, not really. I don't mind talking about it. I looked at him, and I said, you see, when we get to heaven, I don't want our church family to say, why didn't you challenge us more often to give generously for the kingdom? I don't want that to be on my watch. Dallas Willard wrote a book called The Divine Conspiracy, Discovering Our Hidden Life and God. And he made this comment about this particular petition. Let me read it to you. He said, It used to be said in England long ago that one's property, life, or reputation was safe, was not safe when Parliament was in session. There are hundreds of things other than government action that can turn our provisions to nothing. Nothing. That is the precarious condition of all who lay up treasures for themselves and are not rich towards God. When we accept and practice Jesus' teaching on prayer, we can be entirely freed from concerns about the future. You can easily imagine what a marvelously transforming effect this has on our life and our relationship with him. So just to review and think about this again what does it mean about daily bread luther's small catechism helps us and we're going to read about daily bread there's a number of slides i'm going to ask you to read with me ready what is meant by daily bread read with me will you the daily bread we mean everything that is required to satisfy our bodily needs such as food and clothing house and home fields and flocks money and property pious parents and children, trustworthy servants, godly and faithful rulers, good government, seasonable weather, peace and health, order and honor, true friends, good neighbors, and the like. So here's the question. What does daily mean? And make sure you don't miss the more. The word daily is actually strengthened when we say this petition, give us this day our daily bread. It's strengthened with the word today. Today is easy. It's an easy word to define. It means 24 hours. Today started at 12.01 a.m. and will end at 11.59 p.m. But the word daily is only used in Jesus' prayer here in the book of Matthew and the book of Luke. It means sufficient for the day, bread that fits, It meets the unique demands of the coming day. And by bread, it means everything you just read. Bread for that day. It's sufficient for October 10th. I've prayed this prayer many times. Lord, I've never lived, it would be today, I've never lived October 10th, 2021 ever before. I need your strength to visit with this person. I need your grace to listen and understand this person. I need your wisdom as I... Talk with this person. I need your supernatural love to care for this person. But don't forget the more. In the book of Matthew chapter 6, following Jesus' sermon as he explains the Lord's prayer, after that part in Matthew chapter 6 is a passage of scripture that many of us who've grown up in the church are very aware of. It says, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about your life. Don't be anxious about your life. What a powerful word that is, especially now, especially now, with mental health on the rise and with anxiety off the charts. The word anxious can be translated as worry, and it means divided and disruptive and distracted and being pulled in different directions. And most of us sitting in the pew go, I know, I know, I know. God doesn't want me to worry. I worry. And so we hear things like center yourself and just breathe and go to your happy place and be the best version of you and, and meditate. But this is what jumped out at me this week as I looked at it. I never saw the more. If you read this passage of Scripture, you see the word worry. Yes, it's, it's, it's repeated again and again in Matthew chapter 6, but there's also the word more. There's the word more. More than food. More than clothes. More valuable than they. Will he not more clothe you? And then the bottom line is this. God will add. God will provide. God will move. God sees you. Ponder anew. There's this beautiful, beautiful hymn called Praise to the Lord that we sing. It was written by a German hymn writer, Joachim Nieder. And it goes like this. Praise to the Lord who will prosper the work and defend thee. He whom the heaven streams, his mercy does send thee. And then it goes, ponder anew. Wouldn't it be great if the rest of the psalm went like this? Ponder anew, possibly sort of, maybe he can do if he really likes you, or he's in a really good mood, or if you've done better, more good stuff than bad stuff this week he goes, "No, Ponder anew what the Almighty can do." Who with his love he befriends. You see that whole section of worry and more? It gets fronted with Matthew 6, verses 19 through 24 that says, lay up your treasures. Greater rewards. Your legacy is not behind you, friend. Your legacy, the Bible says, your legacy is what's in front of you. You're not an owner. You and I aren't owners. We're stewards for just a little bit. Is it okay if we ask for things we need? Yes. Our Father wants to give, and we pray that he will that we will recognize the gifts that he's given to us. So back to that story, the story at the beginning of this message. I rolled my eyes in my, at night with the lights that were off in this, I could still smell the musty cabin. He said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, and then he went on to say he cares for shepherds and those who faithfully serve, serve him. And as he said that, I rolled my eyes again, and I thought, well, sure, that works for big-shot pastors who have national ministries and cool hair and big churches and stuff like that. But I'm just a pretty normal person. I mean, I love Jesus, and I drive a rusty van. I did. And I have doubts, and I have normal, normal struggles. But then this verse came across my desk Psalm 27:13 I've shared this with you before Unless I see the goodness of the Lord I would despair And so I began to write in my journal the way God provided and if you saw my journal and you'd see the way that God provided this wouldn't make probably national news or some big shot Christian magazine But for my family, for my wife and I, God provided. And when I went over my list from 2009, I went, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, he did that. He did that daily need for me, just normal me. Nothing is too small. He cares. Nothing is too insignificant. He cares. He hasn't promised luxuries, but fresh. What do you need today? Daily bread. So remember this. Ours is the context. And because of our, we share. Daily fresh means for today. We're physical creatures with digestive systems. We need bread to stay alive, but we're built for eternity. So ultimately, I have to ask this question. Can you go to the next slide. Who, not what, is the bread? Who, not what, is the bread? Now, the ultimate definitive chapter on bread comes from John chapter 6, verses 1 through 71. It's the longest chapter in the book of John smart people who have organized it and sorted out chapters and verse organized it that way in the book of John John chapter 6 talks about a bread story Jesus feeds over 5,000 people with bread and fish he then walks on the water and then there becomes this debate that Jesus has about the bread of life and listen to the bread of life speak from John chapter 6 verse 35 Jesus said I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be thirsty, but as I told you, you, ha, you who have seen me, and, you, and still you do not believe. Although the Father, all those the fathers give me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those given to me, but raise them up on the last day, that everyone who looks at the Son and believes in him Shall have eternal life and will raise up on the last day. They began to grumble. They began to argue. And Jesus again talks about the bread of life. He says in verse 45 Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me has eternal life and the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and then they died. They were bread forgetters. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever, and this bread is my flesh, but will give you life for this world. I don't want to assume that everyone who hears my voice knows Christ but I want you to consider where your eternal soul is in relationship to the bread of life. We don't go to heaven because we do more good stuff than we do bad stuff. We don't go to heaven because we come to church. It helps keep us Christians, most certainly. We don't go to heaven because we read our Bible. That encourages us in the Spirit of God speaks through his word and guides us and strengthens us. Those things are important. We go to heaven solely because the bread of life was crucified on the cross for our sins. And we admit that, we confess that, we hold on to that, and we say, he knows me and I know him. That is how we go to heaven, friends. If you've never asked Christ into your heart, if you've never confessed that that simple prayer of, God, I'm a sinner, have mercy on me, what are you waiting for? He is the one who satisfies. He is the one who is the gift. He is the one that fills our hearts. And if we have Jesus, frankly, that's enough. So as we do, each Sunday we have questions that we respond to. We respond to questions by asking, how is the Holy Spirit moving in your heart? And What's he asking you to do? So the first question is this, what's our, what's our duty? What's our duty to share? I love the fact that it came from James chapter 2, verse 15. Jesus' little brother gives us some instruction on what to do with daily bread. And then this one, everyone's needs are different. 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 9 through 23, tells the story of famous Elijah. He's an Old Testament big shot, and he has needs. And it's interesting as you read that story how God met Elijah's needs, the widow's needs, and the young boy's needs. Read it. It's an interesting story. And then the third question I want you to wrestle with is, what needs do you have that you can ask our Father to grant you Like when you stand up from your pew and you walk out to your car, what would you say silently? What are your needs? This is my friend, Mike Amundsen. Some of you know Mike and his wife, Alyssa. Thanks for joining me this morning. And a couple weeks ago, we told you that Mike has served on our elder board for eight years and he is stepping off not because he's crabby or mad, um, but because they're moving and they've had a lot of stuff happen uh, you're getting ready to sell your home. It's a big house, that brings stress. You bought a new Subaru, used one, so shout out to Subaru lovers, right?
1: The, uh, the mechanic looked at my truck and I said, check out the front end and uh, tell me what's going on and then uh, why don't you change the oil. He called me back and he said, I wouldn't waste the money on the oil change, <laughs> thus the new Subaru.
0: That's the news. And uh, you got ready for a daughter to go to the Christian High School in Fergus. Your wife went on the Kentucky trip. Your wife and daughter, uh, your wife got a new job in the Fargo-Moorhead area. And then you caught COVID. Your wife did.
1: Wife and daughter both. Wife and COVID. daughter
0: did. And then something else happened. What else?
1: Yeah, and, uh, well, a couple things. Uh, one, there was a hysterectomy thrown in the, ma- not me, my wife. Good. Thank you, Mike. <clears throat> Just clarify. <laughs> yeah, by. thanks, Mike. Um, and then uh, Alyssa went in for a routine mammogram, and they asked her to come back for a second one, and then a biopsy, and we found out she tested positive for breast cancer. And the C word is not a fun word to hear, and many of you have experienced that or have had loved ones. Uh, But that will throw life into a tailspin quickly.
0: So I was at your office last Tuesday of August, and we were talking, and you got a text that came from Melissa, And you said, well, this is interesting. They had a cancellation, and she can get into surgery tomorrow in Fargo. And I looked at you, and I said, Mike, that's going to change your day. (laughs) And you were on the road by about... 3.34?
1: Yeah, 10 to 3 on a Tuesday, find out she's having cancer uh, surgery the next morning, a lumpectomy. Um, And the other factor built into this, too, is we had to figure out how to navigate insurance from our providers here and insurance with our new job and changing uh, uh, networks and all of that fun stuff. So uh, we show up for surgery, and we had been just maxed out in a period of three months that's just a tremendous amount um, um, on someone's plate and it was very difficult we were exhausted and so we walked through the door and the just really nice nurse really pleasant says, "Uh, I see you're from Eau Claire. I was originally from Eau Claire and we get to chatting a bit more and asked what her maiden name was and I recognized it and um, Turns out, I know her dad. Her uncle and aunt uh, are good friends of ours, who are Bethesda attendees. And her dad was one of the most uh, respected men um, I knew. And uh, so we made this connection that we know like most of her family. And um, in fact, my wife said, you spoke at Frank's funeral. And you did this amazing speech, and you were at Grandpa's funeral? And then uh, she said, uh, well, which church do you attend in in Eau Claire? And we said, Bethesda. Well, you know Pastor Millitzer then? Yeah, yeah, we do. And she said, my husband grew up in his church in Moorhead, and Pastor Kirk married us. (laughs) And I said, well... At the time, I was on the elder board, so generally, if he's going to go out of town for something like that, he would talk to either the board or at least the chair, and I would have been... Cha- so I talked about your wedding. I didn't even know you. And, uh, and then it turns out she's in a Bible study with Danielle, uh, Kirk's daughter, and uh, at least one of your sons was an usher in their wedding. So here we are having this conversation, discovering all these things, all these people we knew. And all of a sudden, I looked at Alyssa, and I said, this has been kind of fun. And you're here for cancer surgery. And uh, what a a weird thing to have happened, this major anxiety-producing thing. Mm -hmm. And we're just having a delightful conversation with a stranger that we knew.
0: Ponder anew what the Almighty can do if with his love he befriends what did you learn about that? I mean, we're talking about daily. God met you. You never thought. I remember what you said when you texted. You said, We had so much fun. I forgot that we were here for cancer surgery. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We
1: could have just as well been sitting around a campfire or something at that point. What has God taught you? Well, a, a couple things. Um, the King James Version of this passage um, says, Ye of little faith, don't be anxious. And oftentimes in life, when I'm going through stuff like this I feel like I should my nickname should be just call me ye Um, but it taught me to not be surprised that God can bless you um, even when you're not expecting it and it taught me that um, uh, and I've known this in the past but it seems like when we're coasting when life is good and easy You just kind of go on autopilot, you don't learn anything, you don't grow, you're not challenged. Um, So this is a good growth period, and sometimes we say, okay, enough. I'm done learning, I'm done growing, give me a break. Um, But the other side that I reflected on after this is the part that Caitlin played in this.
0: Hmm.
1: She could have shown up for work that day and just done a good job and been a nurse. Hmm. She didn't have to announce that she had connections to Eau Claire. And we would have sat there and just had a normal pre-surgery time. But she opened herself up, and she didn't go expecting that day to be used in such an amazing way. She just simply, I guess, was available. Mm -hmm. And um, so there's kind of two sides to that. It's kind of being on the receiving end of that Mm -hmm. and being willing and open to allow God to use you um, in ways that you might not expect. That's Especially that last thought is something that really came to me a couple weeks later. Thanks, Mike.
0: Thanks. Ponder anew what the Almighty can do. Don't know your situation. Every situation in this room, watching online, is different. But our promise is this. Our promise is we have a Father who knows our needs. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and we'll sing one more song. Thanks, Mike.